So we're starting 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So just to give you a, an idea of where we have been and where we're going, we've been talking through the last few chapters about how do we glorify God even in the midst of temptation? How do we glorify God in, in choosing the right things in life? And now Paul starts to get into this section on worship. So the next number of weeks when I'm up here, we're going to be talking about the idea of proper worship. And today we're talking about gender roles in the church because that's the primary idea of this passage. It's not just about head coverings, Um, but we're going to talk about gender roles in the church. And if we have time, we'll talk very briefly about the Lord's Supper and how that should be part of our worship. And then we're going to get into some controversial things like speaking in tongues. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And, and some of these things, there is room in the body of Christ. So I'll, I'll be the first to say that. Um, and, and as we go through today, uh, specifically, what I don't want us to miss is the absolute key idea that Paul is trying to teach here. So he's teaching that God ordains something very special for gender roles in the church and in the family, and we don't want to miss that. We don't want to miss that with the whole controversial of head coverings or not wearing head coverings. Um, and by the way, has anyone ever ever heard of like a church or a group of Christians who believe that women should wear head coverings to church? Have, has, raise your hand if you've kind of heard of that before. Okay. Um, and some of you may come from a church that, that head coverings are a part of that tradition there. And let me say there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, a lot of you go to Bob Jones University And some of you may not know this, they used to have church on campus on Sunday mornings there years and years ago. And as you know, about 25, 30 years ago, all the women students had to wear hats to church because of this verse. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that that was a thing or not years and years ago. Um, So so obviously that, you know, a lot of things about that have changed. But there are many groups and many beliefs within Christianity that, that believe this. And, and they believe that, and, and I can't speak for all of them, but as I've studied it and have talked to lots of people about this, um, they believe that that shows that a wife is being submissive to her husband. And so that principle, that idea of honoring God with his, the gender roles he has laid out, that's what we're shooting for today. So let me start um, um, from 1 Corinthians 11, and we're going to have everybody vote. You're either going to vote, yes, I believe this is okay, or no, I believe it's not okay. All right, so everybody good? You got to raise your hand, one or the other. Is it okay for a woman, I didn't mean to say that so (laughs) strikingly, is it okay for a woman to prophesy from the pulpit of Palmetto Baptist Church? Is it okay for a woman to prophesy from the pulpit of Palmetto Baptist Church? If you say yes, that is completely fine, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, if you say no, that's not okay, raise your hand. All right, is everybody open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Look at verse 5. But every wife, by the way, wife or women, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. So it is okay for women to prophesy. What messed you up about this question, by the way? Prophesy messed you up. Yeah, yeah. You wanted me to define. Pro- yeah, everybody was like, "What does prophecy mean? What do you mean prophesy?" Because if I mean sing a song, right? Because when you sing a song, you're prophesying, right? You're okay. You're like that would be fine. 
So, all right, so Will, what would be, what, what made you vote no on that? Wait, 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 wait. We're going to read a passage first, so. Where's Belvita? Stand up and read this passage for me. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So she's going to stand up and read, turn around and face the crowd. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and read verses 34 through 35. Real loud. should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Alright, now we'll give your answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just confused with the definition of what, what you meant by prophecy. Okay, yep. There's another place that Paul says, like, yeah, obviously they, they're involved with prophecy or anything like that. Good. So, by the way, we're just dropping a nuclear bomb right in the middle here, letting this go off. Um, but I promise we're, we're going to wrap it back up and we're going to pull it back in because what, what there is some confusion is about, is it okay for a woman to pray and prophesy? Is it not? Should she keep silent? Does that mean a woman can't pray in church? Does that mean a woman can't share her testimony? Does that mean that they, you know, when we have a business meeting, can a, I grew up in a church where women were not allowed to ask questions in business meetings? So, I mean, is that not horrible? Like, that's really horrible. If your church, by the way, if your church says that, that's really, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say horrible. Um, I know we all have come from different backgrounds. Um, but, but that is obviously wrong. So what are we talking about here? Like, like, what are we talking about when Paul is outlining this idea of gender roles, different functions, equal dignity? So that's what we want the passage. That's what we want to point to. So let me just read and we'll kind of, we'll jump in. But I want to start with laying the groundwork on the specific idea of head coverings. Let me talk about that first. Because when anybody, this is advice to you when you're talking to people about things that might be a little debatable. If anybody starts wanting to talk to you about some of these things, it's a good idea to try to get an idea of where they're coming from. So let me tell you where I'm coming from. I believe the idea of a woman having to wear a head covering into church is a cultural thing that applied to this day very specifically, okay? Um, it, it's in the Bible, though, so we have to start asking the next hard question. When are some things just cultural, and when are they not cultural? So I want you to be thinking about that because I'm going to ask you to give some feedback on that. But I believe it, is a, it was a cultural thing for that day and time. However... It can be carried over, and some churches have continued on that tradition. And if God calls you to go to a church where, where women wear head coverings, and, and that's very clearly the church you're called to go to, then, you, then, then I think the ladies need to wear a head covering. Because you're, you want to put yourself in the context of that, um, and, and God may not call you to a church like that, and, and that's completely fine. But I believe it, it was a cultural thing, but there are some traditions that have carried that over. Okay, Um, and so the cultural thing, you should say, but Bert, if it says it in the Bible, we're supposed to do it. So I'm curious, are there any other cultural things or practices that were done in Bible times that we don't do as much today? You may think of one. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's very clear it says that in the Bible. That is an excellent one, Michael. I love that. Um, See me afterwards. No, I'm kidding. No. Um, But that one is a great one, right? You know? But have you all heard that talked about? There is a cultural application today for that. How about another one? Is there another one that may be? Um, Immediately, I thought of eating unclean foods. Um, Because in the Old Testament, it was, you know, like forbidden. 
And God himself says this was a cultural thing that I'm now changing. Good. Eating of unclean foods, eating of certain types of foods. Um, really good. Wasn't it cultural for like them to wash their guests' feet when they came in? Yeah, like, like foot washing. So I'm, I'm curious, has anybody ever had their foot, foot or feet washed before as part of, raise your hand. So there's quite a few. Yeah, so why do we not do that anymore? That one is very clearly taught. You know, there are some, there are some denominations that actually believe there's three ordinances in the Bible. Baptism, right? The Lord's Supper and foot washing. So, so that, that is another one. But the idea there is that we're called to serve. So I believe this falls into that same category. So let me just read a couple verses. If you're in 1 Corinthians 11, we'll start verse 1. Um, by the way, you've heard me reference this passage a lot where Paul said, be an imitator of me. Like, you remember we talked about how in the gospel, when you're walking with the Lord, you have this incredible confidence. And Paul, could you imagine going to somebody and saying, you know, Jack, you need to be like me. You know, you need to, you need to walk the Christian life like I'm walking. We wouldn't do that. But the question is, is why not? Because if you are doing the second part of this verse, if you are of Christ and you're confident of what Christ is doing, you, you should be willing to tell people that. So that's kind of this first little section. And then he breaks into what we're talking about now. He says, now, I commend you because you remember me and everything and you maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. So he does call this a tradition. And what I'm saying is I'm not saying it's a tradition that had to end, but there was something about this tradition in that culture that was very, very important. And the principle that we're going to get to at the end is a very important for one when it comes to us understanding gender roles. All right. So, so that's where we're headed. Everybody good so far? All right. So it is a tradition. He says, I want you to understand that the head of everyone is Christ. Every man there, it's talking about all of us. So that's this huge principle, number one. The head of all of us is Christ and what Christ has done. And then he says, the head um, of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So big picture, I believe this is a cultural thing that was applied to that day, but it can be still applied today. And those people are not evil, awful sinners that, that do that. Um, they're just simply still maintaining this tradition, and there's legitimate reasons um, for that. And the conflict comes, and we talked about this earlier, the conflict comes in all of this. Let me just kind of get to the outline here. The conflict is, you know, are women supposed to stay silent in churches the way Paul says three chapters later? Or, or is it okay if they pray and prophesy? Um, where we apply this, at Palmetto Baptist, and where lots of Christians over the years have applied it, is they say there are, are really two places. So there's only two. There's two places where God ordained different roles for men and women, and those are in the church and the family. So the church and the family. So can a woman be president of the United States? The answer is absolutely, and, and I kind of hope there is a woman president this next round, um, but can a woman, kidding, I shouldn't talk about politics. No, no it's like, what? <laughs> I, by the way, I hate politics, so don't, I mean, if you want to come talk about politics, it'll be a short conversation. I hate politics. Um, but a woman can be a CEO, a woman can be president, a woman can be all of these things, but there's something different about the family and about the church that God ordained. 
and, and stay with me because that should not make you bitter or upset or mad. It, it's something that God designed. Um, but there is a problem, and the genesis of the problem came that at creation and at the fall, both at creation, God ordained different roles. So look at verse chapter 11, look at verses 8 and 9. So 8 and 9 says, um, For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Okay, so, so the idea here is that at creation, God ordained different roles. Now, today in the church, there's two big thought processes around genders. Can anybody tell me what the names are of those thought processes? All right, Michael Vollmer Jr. from the back, give me one. Egalitarian is, is the first. So that's the first big thought process. And the second one, Cooper... Complementarian, okay. Now, who wants to define each of those for us? Who wants to define egalitarian or complementarian? Go ahead. We'll stand up and... Um, To my understanding, egalitarian is complete equality with no difference in roles at all between men and women as they're created. And complementarian is equality, but some difference in roles as they're created. God-given differences just in the roles that they Good, really good. Anybody else have anything they would want to add to that? Some of you are like, I've never heard these terms before at all. And some of you have studied these out in great detail. Does anybody have any other thoughts they would want to add to that? Okay, so, so, um, so our church, and for me personally, um, I, I would lean much more towards the complementary side because that from creation is what God ordained. And I love the idea, I heard a preacher say this one time, when God made Eve from Adam... He took his rib and that's very, I mean, he could have, first of all, he didn't have to take anything, but he took the rib and that was very indicative of the role because it says my, my purpose of this is to create a help meet, somebody that is a completer, a complement to each other. That's where we get the term complementarian. So um, he didn't take part of Adam's foot with the idea there being, I'm going to stamp down on this wife. And by the way, in this culture that we're looking at, when true biblical Christianity stepped into the Corinthian culture, it liberated women. Okay? In our culture today, many people think women inside of Christianity are oppressed. Isn't that ironic? You know, the gospel actually eliminates both of those extremes. But in the culture in Corinth, women were basically next to slaves. Like that really was the idea that women had very little value, very little purpose in that culture. And all of a sudden, look at what you have. Look at what you have. Look at verse, um, go down to verse um, 11 and 12. Um, Nevertheless, in the Lord, women is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of the woman. And all of these things are from God. I, I love how Paul put that in there with the idea that, um, yes, women were made from man, but since that time, every man has been born from a woman. Like, do you see the circular of where he's going with this? Is that we need each other and they're all from God. And so back in this culture, when people heard this teaching, they were very mad at Paul. You know, they were very mad because, they, because he was kind of liberating women. Whereas today, I think sometimes Christianity has the idea that some people say it oppresses women. And neither is true. Both of these extremes um, are eliminated because God created it. And so he didn't create 
Eve from Adam's foot, which means he would constantly trample on her. And he didn't create her from Adam's head, which means she would rule over him. Uh, he, she was created from Adam's side. And the idea is that we are joined together. We are going through this life together. We're on the same team. We're on mission together. Um, your strengths are complementing mine and vice versa. And by the way, in every single marriage and in every single church, there are different strengths and weaknesses that people bring. And, and, in, and in some marriages, the woman can be very strong and she can be very uh, maybe biblically literate and, and very much a passionate teacher of God's word. And, and maybe she marries a man who's very quiet um, and maybe he, maybe he is not as aggressive at understanding the Bible. Um, but at the end of the day, it's fine for her to be the primary teacher of those kids, but it's always under the guidance and care and on the same team as, as the husband. So there's this design to be complementing in marriage um, and there's a design to be complimenting in church. We do believe that consistently what Paul teaches, and by the way, this is how we're going to answer this question in just a minute about what other things are cultural that we don't have to do today. Because if you, are, if you believe more of an egalitarian approach, you would say Paul's teaching about women you know, not speaking in church, that was just cultural as well. So we don't have to follow that. Just like we're saying we don't have to follow the head coverings. And that's a pretty good argument, right? I mean, let's, we always want to make sure we're, we're being, you know, fair to both sides. Um, but throughout all of scripture, from creation all the way through, there's a teaching that men and women have different roles, but they complement. They're both equal in dignity before God, um, but just different functions. And so, um, so that brings up another question. If, if, Bert, if you're saying that we don't have to culturally do the head covering thing, what about something like homosexuality, right? Because Paul talked about that, you know, quite a bit. Um, what's wrong with saying, hey, if two people love each other, um, they can get married and it's, it's totally fine. So, so how do we put kind of our big picture biblical lens on? How do we address that? And, and if we're saying this one's cultural, could that one also be cultural? How would you answer that? Big questions, big important questions here. I kind of gave you a few little hints as we built up to this, but, and I know this is one people don't really, you're kind of nervous, but Jack, yeah. Um, I would say that all throughout scripture is regarding the homosexuality, there's a very, whoever talks about it, not just Paul, but it's regarded as um, sinful. Really good. Like so, so we have we have a totality of scripture that says what God ordained is best, right? And so, what God ordained is one man, one woman for life. And anything outside of that, whether you're looking at porn and fulfilling desires, whether you are um, marrying, you know, with someone of the same sex, or whether you are having a relationship that's inappropriate with someone um, of the opposite or same sex, anytime you're outside that box and we spent a lot of time talking about this last semester, then you're missing what God's plan and purpose and design is. So we always want to focus on the positive side. Like the positive side of what God designed is this. 
All right, so very clearly from creation. Um, And there's usually, when you look at a situation like this, there's usually four things that I like to say that inform you. Number one, the foundational source of that is the Bible. Like, what is it that the Bible says about all of these things? And then as you add to it, there's, there's the tradition, you know, the church tradition, Christian tradition over time. And very clearly throughout all of history, almost throughout all of churches, um, one man with one woman, you know, was, was the design. Um, and then there's kind of the experience that you have with it. And, and when there's an experience, um, most of the time outside of that design, it's painful. Whether, whether it's addiction to pornography, whether it's, uh, you know, relationships that aren't right, that, that you're being pressured to go too far in certain areas, um, whether it is um, a divorce, you know, those, are, those generally all lead to pain. Those generally all lead to pain and frustration because, that, again, that's not what God designed. And, the, and you can just look at the experience that people have. And then the third one is logic, like just actual logic when you, when you look at that. Um, you know, not, not to be graphic at all, but men and women, they fit together. Like God created them to fit. Um, so all of those things, scripture as the, as the, as the um, underpinning, the foundation of everything, but experience, logic, tra- church tradition, all of those would point to that. So you can always use that framework when you're thinking through is something just, you know, cultural or not. So with this one, there is a, we'll go through a couple of things real quick and then we'll pray. I know it's time to go. But there is a true equality that comes when we see the gospel. It eliminates both extremes. Um, the, we talked about this already, the oppression or the liberation of women. It eliminates both of those. And, and it says this is how God designed men and women to complement each other in the church and in the family. Um, and there's a couple kind of specific, let me just walk through a couple specific um, examples or application. So we'll look at starting verse um, six red. But for the wife, she will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short, since it's disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or to shave her head. Let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from the woman, but woman from man. So we stop there. Culturally, what was happening in that day, and this may help you frame this idea of head coverings. Um, Prostitutes during that day, which were very common in the city of Corinth, they shaved their heads. That's how, that was like their business card. Okay, so Paul is addressing this issue of head coverings as a response to that culture of that day. So this does not mean that women cannot have short hair. You know, some of you got haircuts over the break. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but the idea culturally is. We are to look a certain way. You know, women should look like women and men should look like men within the cultural context that they're in. It's a very, very simple application. Um, it said, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So this doesn't mean that angels are like necessarily monitoring what you wear or what you do with your hair. The idea is that when we honor the gender roles that God has created the right way, it actually brings this broader glory that is available uh, because our worship is a big deal. This idea of angels, is that going to carry over to some of the other worship ideas we talk about in the next few weeks? Um, and then, um, so the application is men look like men, women look like women. Um, and we've already talked about the idea of fairness. But I just want to say a few things. God did ordain this this way. It doesn't mean that men are in charge and are these overbearing ogres 
over their wives. But it means men take charge in, in leading. But this is a complementing relationship. And by the way, it's also reflective of, of the Trinity, right? There were different roles between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And those roles complement each other beautifully. Did you know, let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus come to die on the cross? And if your answer is in order for me to be saved or to save me from my sins, that, that is an answer. But you know, in Jesus, I believe it's in John 6, said, I came to fulfill the will of my Father. And you know what the beautiful result of that is? Is that we get to glorify the Father through what Jesus did for us. So even within the roles of the Trinity, um, it's a reflection. So I'm going to pray. We're going to be dismissed. There's a lot more to talk about, but I want you guys to get out of here on time. And um, it is just so good to have you back. We've got a lot planned for this semester. And our prayer is that you guys grow to love the Lord more, that you, you love each other in this community that God's called us to. Um, that's a very important thing to us. If you think of coming here as just like an extension of some type of you know, school or something like, oh, my school says I have to go to church, so I'm just going to kind of show up. You're kind of missing what God intended for the church to be. We're called to be part of each other's lives, to encourage each other. Um, so let us do that. Let, let us do that with you and, and for you. And we love you guys. Very thankful. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for your word. And thank you that you are a God that we can abide in, that we can um, trust. Um, you're a God that gives us life, that gives us breath every day to wake up and that you have already prepared victories for us in this life. And help us to live with this incredible truth that while we steward this life really well um, and we pass through death, even that death is a wonderful gift. It is actually an incredible grace um, where we will meet you and we can live in a hope now of those promises that are to come. So we thank you for that. I pray for those here who are struggling with belief Um, or um, with pressures of this life. Uh, God, thank you for CJ and just him sharing his heart. Um, And so many of us um, struggle with, at times, the anxieties of the world. Um, But God, we know that you're there, you are in those. And in fact, those give us opportunities to bring more glory to you, not to ourselves for fixing ourselves, but to you for healing us. So help us to trust you in that. Um, Go with us now with your grace and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. We'll see you soon.